Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Hey, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the podcast this is episode number 23 hope you guys are doing well out there and hopefully you had a good mother's day you know it's that time of year where you might be maybe you're taking your mom fishing or maybe you just put the fishing rod down and just hang out and kick it with mom for a while whatever you did i hope it was well spent and you treated your mom's right on this episode, though, I just want to get right into it because I have Matt Johnson on here from Matt Johnson Outdoors. And if you don't know who this guy is, you need to head on over to his uh, Facebook page, Matt Johnson Outdoors and or just MattJohnsonOutdoors.com. He is the pro staff director for Blackfish, uh, companies like Ice Team and Clam Outdoors. And the guy is just, he's easy to talk to. You can tell he loves the sport of fishing and the industry side of things too. Obviously, he's the pro staff director for those companies I just mentioned. So he's highly regarded um, as someone who uh, you know knows what he's doing. And he's just easy to talk to. We go over things like Minnesota fi- a fishing opener. We go over his badass boat, which I think is awesome by a company called King Fisher. And if you guys haven't checked them out, you need to check out their boats. I think they're pretty cool. They're aluminum weld, but I kind of grill them on some questions about that. And then we talk uh, crappie fishing, which is this time of year is uh, a great time to chase crappie. So without any further ado, here is Matt. All right, buddy. Do you know how many Matt Johnsons there are out there in the world on Skype? Like seven. (laughs) (laughs) Like 700,000. Jesus, I couldn't find you on there. My bad. No, that's fine. Now you're the only one that came up for your name. Yeah, I figured that. I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to reverse engineer this. There's no way there's that many Lee Clinos out there. So we'll just Perfect. do that. So, so where are you from? Where do you live? Uh, I'm in Mich- Michigan, Traverse City, Michigan, which okay, is cool. Uh, if you're familiar with that area. Yep. Yep, um, I know where that is. Yep. Originally from uh, downstate uh, by Detroit area. Cool. So I grew up fishing that. But hey, just thanks for coming on the podcast to do this today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You bet. So, uh, I know it's a big weekend for you guys there in Minnesota. Tell everybody what is is going on and why there's such a big countdown. Well, you know, fishing opener in Minnesota is is a state holiday. If you buy any calendar at any Barnes and Noble, you're going to see it listed on there as a holiday. So it's a big deal here. Everyone anticipates the opener where they can go uh, chase walleyes, uh, pike uh, for the first time uh, in season. And uh, you can now chase bass, catch and release wise, for the next couple of weeks. That that changed a few years ago. So it's a, it's everyone's amped up. They go to the cabin. They get together with uh, family, friends. Uh, there's a, a don't quote me. There's a crazy stat that like more than half of the anglers that are going to fish tomorrow may not fish again the rest of the summer. What? It's yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and if you go to the boat launches tomorrow, you'll know exactly 
why and you may believe it because it's so crazy busy that if you don't get to some of these accesses by like three four in the morning you're not going to find a spot so how does it work does it open up at like midnight or is it like first light or how does it work midnight so at 1201 you can legally start to fish in minnesota and keep a walleye that's in its in its regulation slot depending on the lake or northern pike so what a lot of anglers do is they'll head up today get to the lake get settled in um some guys even go out at like 11 o'clock and oh, spotlight and look for fish and then at uh, 1201 you can go so the governor will start fishing some years at 1201 oh wow and uh they take the governor out fishing hoping to catch a fish so most anglers tend to wait till sun up but if you're on a popular lake like Lake Minnetonka, and I've I've gotten there at two three in the morning, and sometimes it's hard to find a spot. Wow! So they are ready to go, dude. It sounds like my people, like everybody here in Michigan. Michigan's a, a you know phenomenal fishing fishing state, but it's like everyone's not wired like they are in Minnesota. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. they, like they just that they they take it to the next level. It reminds me of like duck opener here or like rifle season opener for, uh, for deer. It's where it's like tradition. Everyone goes to their cottages. Um, you know, on the duck side, everyone gets out there to their spot in, in the middle of the night, sleep in their, you know, their boats until the next morning. So they got the perfect spot. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely spot on. It's, it, it's, it's become an addiction for a lot of people, the fishing opener. I mean, you'll see countdowns on social media pages for people and clubs and organizations and, and the bait shops are booming. I mean, there's lines out the door at some of the major bait shops here in the twin cities areas. And, and people are just excited. I mean, for the last how many months they've been chasing uh panfish, right? You know, the game fish season here in Minnesota closes the end of February. So pretty much all of March, April, and the first couple of weeks of May, uh, you can't target anything, but, pan fish some rough fish uh, that sort of stuff so they're amped up and they're excited and the other thing is when the walleye season opens here in minnesota it's generally pretty good fishing so the fish are hungry they haven't been uh been abused haven't gotten much of attention and it's a good time of year to fish for walleye uh, but uh, you also have to deal with the elements so it's fun. I mean, it's stories, it's, it's camaraderie, it's seeing buddies once a year again. Uh, so it's really become more than just catching fish. It sounds cliche, but if you ask a lot of anglers that go to their, their cabin, they'll tell you fishing, catching the fish is a bonus and on fishing opener. It's hanging out with grandpa and, and dad and moms and uncles and aunts and that sort of stuff. So no, you're spot on. It's, it's hardcore. These guys and gals are crazy. And and if you want some entertainment, I tell you what, my dad used to joke growing up, you know what, instead of fishing, why don't we grab uh, a soda and a bag of popcorn and sit at the launch? <laughs> this is about because, to say. <laughs> oh my gosh, people launch their boats. I mean, I did a video a week ago and I stressed, please don't turn the key to your motor for the first time at 6 a.m. at the launch at yep. fishing opener because it's probably not going to start if the boat hasn't been used all year. And it's, it's crazy. It's, it's entertainment. Uh, my biggest piece of advice there, instead of getting frustrated with the guys or gals, go help them out. Like you can stand in line and complain and whine, or you can hop out of your truck quick, lend them a hand, help hold their boat so they can get out. Uh, but it is, there is going to be some entertainment. Social media will be buzzing tonight or tomorrow night with, did you see this? Did you see that? Oh yeah. Uh, someone will push their boat sideways and block every (laughs) lane. Uh, it's, but that's expected, you know, I think that's part of the, part of the fun. If that's a, 
if that's a thing. What's the but, weather uh, looking like for tomorrow for you guys? You know, here in the Twin Cities, it's looking like mid-60s for highs, which is pretty darn good for a fishing opener. Chance of rain, maybe upper 30s, low 40s when we wake up. As far as fishing opener goes, that's as good as it usually gets. Uh, most years we're expected to have 40s, rain, wind. So at least in the Twin Cities, it's looking pretty nice. I mean, it might hit mid-60s and break some sun and... Oh boy, that'll be, that's good. But like I said, it'll bring more people out fishing, but we're looking like a good weather day. Good. Yeah. One thing about the boat launch is like, you know, one thing people got to pay attention to is how cold it is in the morning. So if you're launching your boat for the first time, don't forget those ramps will build up ice. And when yep. you're going to, to launch them back down in there, you know, bring some sandbags or some sand or salt or something like that to put down and, uh, you know, that was always one thing. I remember we, we would fish Erie. It, it never closes on Erie, but when we would fish Erie, we'd, we'd go out in March, but it'd get up to 45, 50 during the day. But in the morning when you first get there, it's still 28 degrees, even though there's open water, you know? Yep. So when you pull those boats out, it was pretty slippery and dicey on those boat launches. Yeah. Some spots in Northern Minnesota, even, even as close as Mille Lacs, they woke up to like five inches of snow yesterday. Oh, bummer. It snowed like three to five inches on some parts of Minnesota. So all these guys and gals getting their resorts ready, getting amped up for Saturday, woke up yesterday to like shovelable snow. Jesus. And they're getting their rigs stuck in their, in their, in their fields and stuff like driving around, trying to reload, reposition boat trailers are getting stuck. So we're seeing some crazy conditions. So you're right. I mean, you're going to wake up in Northern Minnesota for sure. Uh, below freezing temperatures and you're going to have ice on your rods and your reels and it's get prepared wear the gear i mean grab your ice fishing stuff and i don't you know suck up your pride throw on boots if you have to it's better to be comfortable and take layers off than get out there and say oh boy i wish i had an extra jacket or something so things we take for granted in fishing opener those that do it every year no generally speaking you're going to need some warm weather gear or cold weather gear in the boat and you're probably going to use it. Right. And then I, you know, this isn't going to come out until after opener, but if you don't mind sharing, what is there a couple sure. lakes you're thinking about hitting? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a little different. Uh, you know, I generally don't guide the fishing opener. Okay. Uh, I've done it a few times over the years, but it's so busy. I generally just kind of lay back. Here's my thing on fishing opener in the Metro is I find a lake that doesn't have any walleyes. Uh-huh. And I go and I chase pike or I chase bass now. I chase crappies. Like, I'll probably have my three boys out fishing tomorrow. Oh, that's cool. And we're probably going to go to a lake that doesn't have walleyes and try our hands at some largemouth bass, maybe throw some spinnerbaits for pike. We're probably going to tangle with some crappies. Um, but, uh, but I mean, there's going to be a good bite going on. If, if you're fishing any of the major bodies of water in the Twin Cities, whether it's Lake Minnetonka, Forest Lake, White Bear, Waconia, the walleyes should be going. Uh, I mean, you'll deal with the crowds. But I think if you get after it and you put some attention to it and you focus, I think you're going to get bit with some walleyes. Water temps are where they need to be. I mean, we're into the 50s. You know, things are starting to progress nicely. And if we get some sun to peak, I mean, I'm looking out the window right now and it's it's almost 60 and sunny here with not much wind. I mean, it's a beautiful day today. Oh, nice. That'll warm things up and maybe get things going a little bit for tomorrow. Uh, so, so my plan of attack tomorrow is is let the masses play on the major lakes and play with the walleyes. I'll, I'll, I'll catch my breath and uh, take my kids out fishing for bass and panfish on a lake that's uh, not as popular. And then I'll re- refocus this week for guide trips and, and get anglers out chasing walleyes and whatever else is, is going to be biting. Yeah, keep them away from the madness for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, it's entertainment. But like I said, yeah, it, it's uh, if you don't have to go out to some of those bodies of water and it's not your thing, 
if you have if you don't have patience, I know it's I know it sounds weird as an angler, but if you don't have patience, um, Lake Minnetonka on Saturday a fishing opener is probably not where you want to go. <laughs> Just friend to friend. So right. there's other lakes, land of ten thousand lakes, find another lake and uh, still go fishing. Just maybe get off a. Uh, off the pressured waters. And I know the regulations have been up and down on the lax. Are they allowing um, anglers to keep one or two fish for opener? I believe so. I oh. mean, don't quote me on it. I don't guide up there, and I'm not as as familiar. Okay. But I believe they did are allowing anglers to keep some fish now. Okay. You know, the biggest rule of thumb is just check the DNR website because what happens with Malax, at least from what I've seen, is it'll change during the season. Oh yeah. Yep. So always check the site. Um, the the DNR website is awesome. You can look at it from your phone, look at regulations, check on lakes. Uh, so make sure you check that sort of stuff before you head up there. And there's a lot of lakes, probably just like out your way in Michigan, that have special regulations uh, unbeknownst to state regulations so just pay attention to that kind of stuff uh, whether it's uh, five fish limit on bluegill whether it's size restrictions on pike or or uh, walleyes or catch and release bass fishing always check uh, the lake you're going to fish and make sure there's no regulations that's super important and and there's really no way there's no really excuse now to not know right i think we all have that power at our fingertips so to tell the conservation officer sorry sir or ma'am i didn't know that is not an excuse anymore i mean we should be able to figure that stuff out easily and and know what we can or can't do when we hit the water and then this will be the last thing on fish opener just for someone who maybe is just getting into fishing listening to this podcast or you know haven't hasn't been doing it for a long time why is that season closed? And then tell folks what those fish are starting to do now this time of year uh, during opener. Absolutely. You know, our fish are, are, are pretty susceptible to, to over-harvesting during certain times of year, especially when they spawn. You also don't want to impact the fishery. So if, take for example, when these walleye start to spawn in the 40-degree temps, generally speaking, it's in the month of April. You know, you don't want to be up there catching them all and taking them. A lot of lakes in Minnesota, especially where I'm from, uh, it's, there's not a lot of natural reproduction. I mean, right. some of these, a lot of these fish are just put in there. So you're going to see a lot of pressure on these lakes. If we didn't have seasons and restrictions just to preserve the fish trees, you know, you want to make sure the fish get a chance to, to naturally reproduce if that is an opportunity and you don't want to get them over harvest bass too. I mean, we have lakes where it's very easy to find the spawning bass. Uh, they stick to a bed. They don't go far. You can catch them. And if you could keep those fish you're going to hurt the fishery. So you even see things like now you can, you can fish for bass on Saturday, but it's catch and release until Memorial weekend. Right. Because that's when they spawn. So I think some of those things need to be in place for bodies of water and, and part, you know, particularly states that have high fishing pressure. I mean, there are a lot of people that fish the metro area. Um, so you want to make sure seasons are, are focused and enforced. You know, and what's going to happen now is they're going to be done with the spawn. Walleyes are going to put the feed bag on. You're going to be catching spawned out females, aggressive males, uh, and the fishing's good. And you'll see fishing continue to be good if we continue to follow some of those things and practice selective harvest. So it's an important thing to focus on, uh, but but be rest assured, there's plenty of fish in the lake, plenty of time to still catch them. If all we have to do is give up the month of basically March and April and a part of May, that's not a big deal. There's plenty of other opportunities you can fish for panfish, catfish, like I said, in these other months. And uh, to be honest, most of April anyway is tough to fish because we're dealing with ice out. Oh, so it's not like sucks. you're missing. Yeah, you're not. It's not like you're missing much. Um, so I think it's it's a necessary uh, necessary thing to have happen uh, and to help some of our fisheries and that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, our Inland Lakes here in Michigan, uh, you know, we do a similar thing. Same thing that you guys got going, season closes. But we are spoiled with the Great Lakes. So, like, Erie, Detroit River, all that kind of stuff, you know, it doesn't close. So, um, you know, those walleye run up in the rivers and, you know, guys are jigging throughout, you know, end of March, beginning of April, all the way through end of May. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot of debate out there, but there are, you know, obviously Erie's a mecca for walleye. And uh, it's just a fish factory, so you know that it's it's such a larger scale. There's a lot of debates out there of what kind of impact it has. You know, some guys just kind of practice their own thing. If it's full of eggs, big female, let her go. You know, just keep the right. little eater size. But yeah, I think it's important right. for a lot of folks to you know dive into their local bodies of water, see how they are doing, and uh, what the DNR are saying about populations of fish that they're chasing. And like you said, it's worth giving up two months, especially during shitty weather. <laughs> Uh, just to let it relax. So that way your guys' fisheries is booming, you know, summer, fall and winter. Absolutely. And like you said too, I mean, the DNR have a job to do. That's what they do for their living. Yep. You know, I put faith in them. I mean, I I don't get into the politics of that. You know, all I do is trust that, uh, they know what they're doing and they work hard at it and they study. I mean, it's, you know, I see the rants online and it's like, guys, gals, these DNR officers and these officials, this is what they do for a job. They study it every day. Right. You know, there's reasons for why they do what they do. Put trust in that, put faith in that and let them do their jobs so that we can have uh, good fishing for years to come. Yep. It's very important, especially when yeah. like you got those three little boys on the boat tomorrow. You want to be do- having them do- take their kids out, you know? Absolutely. You nailed it. So, you know, typically with my guests, I always like to give a little bit of background, have them talk about their background, how they got into fishing. It seems to be um, a fan favorite of the of the show, folks getting to know the angler and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So just go into a little bit of your background, how you got started fishing and where you're at today. Absolutely. You know, I've been obsessed with fishing my whole life and my parents thought it a little odd because growing up we were a big soccer family and we traveled all over played soccer all over the country but i always loved to fish and we didn't have a boat uh, my dad didn't really fish much um but i for some reason i loved it so that was always something i wanted to do in every free minute, moment i could mom and dad dropping me off at the coon rapids dam walking the banks for seven hours with my buddies catching carp and as i got into high school i i loved to write And I got involved with a website uh, back in the day, fishingminnesota.com, which was an online forum. This was before social media even existed. And everyone went to these forums to get information and ask questions. So I was on there. I'd walk to the library and I'd comment on stuff and post pictures and have fun. And and eventually uh, the team there asked if I would help moderate this website. And I was like, whoa. So that started to bolster my addiction. And when I went to college, I got down to Mankato. And I said, I had buddies working at various places to make ends meet and pay for things. And I said, well, I don't want to work for $8 an hour at Kohl's selling pants. Right. So I thought to myself, well, why don't I take people fishing? So I started a guide service when I was 18 in 2001, which is still what I have today, Matt Johnson Outdoors. And I started guiding down in Mankato and there was zero competition. And I was, you know, the other guides that are listening to this are going to hate me, but I charged 150 bucks a day. <laughs> to take to take someone fishing i had i had a great partnership with crestliner boats at the time and i had a boat down there and kept it at my buddy's place so i would take people fishing whether it be professors teachers uh, people in the community uh for 150 bucks for an entire day i mean i wouldn't even consider doing that now without all respect due right but that's what i got got excited about it started fishing tournaments uh honing in my skills started working with a lot of the companies i still work with today uh, whether it be Mr. Twister, Shimano, started working sports shows, 
got more more involved in the writing side of things and promotional side of things. Um, worked my way through college and, and paid bills guiding. Cut my teeth that way. And then when I got out of college, I started working for Thorn Brothers, which is a prestigious uh, fishing sh- oh, yeah. shop here in the cities. And they're known all over the place. Worked with them for the better part of six years. Um, still guiding a ton almost every day. And then when I wasn't uh, guiding or, or working at Thorn Brothers, I was doing promotions like you do. I was uh, doing uh, writing articles. I was doing seminars at uh, fishing stores. I was working sports shows, doing videos. Uh, Facebook came around in 2006, and I launched a lot of people's Facebook pages for many, many players in the industry. Uh, I launched their their page for them. Uh, back in 2006, 2007, when everything was in its infancy stages. And then uh, one of my longtime sponsors, Clam, uh, picked me up in 2012. I started taking over Ice Team, uh, managing the pro staff, still guide, and and it's where I'm at today. So it's been a, it's been my life in a roundabout way for 18 years now. It's been a full-time deal for me where that's been my focus. And I love it. It's a lifelong sport. My kids are involved. My my closest friends are in the fishing industry. It doesn't matter what hat they wear. I've learned that uh, some of my dear friends compete with me on on brands. But, uh, you know, a lot of mutual love and respect. And uh, it's a great industry to be in. And and uh, I love it. So still today, I guide. I did uh, almost 100 trips last year in the winter and the summer. Um, still working uh, my jobs here with Clam and, and Blackfish and the promotional side of things, and I love it. It's uh, it's addicting. There's something new every day. It's, it never I never get complacent, which is part of the reason I think we all love what we do in this industry. Absolutely, I agree. And you know, just hearing your career that you just um, you know rattled off is I think something that a lot of us would you know would love to try to aspire to do. And it sounds like you've been moving and been with a lot of great companies. Um, one quick question I have just for anyone listening to this out there. Sure. Maybe the 17 or 18 year old kind of looking to do what you did in college. What did you go what what species did you kind of find easier to go after first to get your guide business up and going and kind of get your name out there? You know, my first guide trips were in the winter. Were oh, ice really? fishing. Okay. And, and and it was predominantly panfish, bluegills, crappies. Um, because they're easier to target, more plentiful. I can educate anglers more when the when there's fish on the vexlar versus you know waiting for specific sundown or sunup bites, whether you're walleye fishing. So I did the panfish thing, but really, I've always been an all species guide. I don't really heavily focus on like muskies, but I have trips for muskies. I've always kept my options open, and I, and the reason I say that is, as anglers, we off we have to adapt and. If, if, if all I do is fish walleyes and the walleyes are just not biting that day or it's the middle of summer and it's stagnant hot out, I can switch gears and we can go target bass or we can target bluegill. And so I've always kept an open mind and always promoted myself as a multi-species guide. And I, and I, I love doing that because I get to run the gamut with my clients. I can even take them out fishing for a day and we can target four different species in a day instead of, hey, I'm Matt, I guide walleyes. If you don't want walleyes. I'll find you someone else. Right. My entire push since day one has been all about education. When you book me as a guide, I want you to understand that you are essentially booking a seminar, a one-on-one seminar, a two-on-one seminar, a three-on-one seminar, how many people you want in the boat. And I want you to email me ahead of time a list of questions you want answered. So I'm a little different 
guide, if, if you call me and say, I want you to put me on a limit of walleyes. And if my question to you is, is that why you're booking me? And you say, yes, I may pass you off to someone else. Wow. Because I, because I want you to want to come out and learn because like yourself, if you're on a good bite and you take a buddy fishing, if that buddy can't go back out and duplicate something that you taught them or have learned something like to me, what's the, what's the point? Right. So I focus on the education side. So that's what I kind of hammered home ever since I was in college was I want to teach you how to become a better angler, whether it's running a trolling motor, use electronics, using plastics for the first time, how to drop shot, how to read hard bottom. Give me those questions. Don't just tell me, oh, I want to catch a limit of fish, you know, because I think that's the wrong way to go about it. And I think all guides will be more successful if they take that approach where some of my best days on the water with clients aren't necessarily my best days of fishing. Right. It's teaching them what they want to know, making sure when they leave and go home, they go, wow, I know so much more. So that would probably be a big focus of emphasis to these young kids. It's not all about the fish. And, and, and it's tough to, it's tough to grasp that it's not all about catching fish. Everyone thinks they have to catch fish and they don't catch fish. They're a failure. Well, that's, that's, that's right. If you're trying to cash a check in a tournament, but as a guide, that doesn't need to be your MO. Right. Yep. It, it can be all about educating and making sure they have a good time showing them some enter- entertainment. Some of my, the best guides I know, you know, probably wouldn't cash a check in a tournament, but they're phenomenal fishing guides. They have repeat business that they can't keep up with because they show people a good time. They make sure they learn something and they make sure they can go back on their own and take the skills they learned and duplicate that. I think clients are much more willing to pay for that than just to me, put a rod in your hand and say, here you go, catch your six fish. Good job. Right. So that's been, that's been my push. It's such a smart way to approach it, Matt, because like you said, it's like, if you give people, and that's how you get more people involved in fishing in our sport for the long term, rather than just go out and target one species, like you said, if you can teach them so much more, it just gives them that confidence to go out there and say, you know what, I'm going to get heavily involved in this thing. I'm going to buy a boat. I'm going to get all this tackle. I'm going to get, you know, because Matt taught me, you know, not only can I catch walleye, but on the same body of water or looking at this graph in a certain way, now I can go target and, go, you know, get after northerns or whatever. It's sure. it, it's a great way to promote the sport rather than just say you should get into walleye fishing or you should get into um, you know crappie fishing or something like that. If you just say let's let's take you out and get you into fishing and teach you a lot about the whole sport, it just you're I think that a, that a, that obsession can can venture off from there. Oh, absolutely. And then people find their niche, you know. And I I have clients that I'll take fishing six times in a calendar year, and all six times we target something different. Yeah, Like they want to chase springtime walleyes and they want to learn how to fish bass deep in the summer because they struggle when the fish go deep. And then in the fall, they want to chase crappies when they stage for the winter. And, you know, and, and I thrive on that. And it also keeps my wheels turning. You know, I'm always studying. I mean, you should always be doing your homework on fishing. You should be reading the magazine, studying the books, watching the TV shows. I mean, it never gets old. I mean, I'm 36 and I have three, three boys and a girl and we all watch the shows and read the books and, and that never gets old. And I've been doing that since I was in middle school. Um, and that's one thing, just, you know, don't get complacent, don't get stuck in a rut and keep your options open and always be willing to adapt. That's cool, man. I think that's great advice for anybody listening to this, trying to get into the guide business. And I always like to get everyone's perspective on it because everyone has a different way of how they get into it. And there's so many, 
you know, the other good thing is like, there's so many different areas in this field of, um, you know, angling that you can get into, uh, not only just to make money, but if you, if you're, if you're that obsessed or you're that passionate about angling, take it different routes, working for companies, uh, whether that's guiding, um, or, you know, marketing side of some of these companies. Um, you know, I think it's great and there's a lot of opportunities out there. And I wanted to also say that I did notice that you're the pro staff director for a lot of different companies like Blackfish, Ice Team, Clam Outdoors. Yep. How has that been for you? And what do you look for in um, anglers out there who are are looking to get noticed or, you know, take their their passion for angling to the next level? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's a pat. I mean, I love working with other anglers and that's I, I really think I've I found my calling if that sounds corny. Um, because like, I, I love to work with these professional anglers, promotional anglers and try to get the most out of each other. And, and one thing I always tell people is I ask certain individuals when they want to get involved is what do you think the term pro staff means? And, and you get a different opinion. You know, my opinion is strongly focused towards the promotional side of things, not so much the professional side of things, meaning, you know, going back to my guide philosophy, just because you can catch a fish, uh, with all due respect, doesn't mean you can promote. Right. You know, I know some anglers that can fish circles around me, and most people I've ever been around, they are phenomenal anglers. But the ability to their ability to promote is is dismal at best. I mean, right. they just haven't grasped that, and that's that's from my perspective what we look for for pro staff figures. It's more about the promotional side of things as much as the catching of the fish it's you're really trying to help these brands whether it be clam blackfish ice team promote advance the sport get people involved recognize the brand uh, and some of that needs to happen i mean don't get me wrong i'm not looking for anglers that can cast right i want anglers that can fish but catching fish isn't the biggest thing i mean i'll get for clam on an annual basis i'll get about 3000 pro staff applications whoa it's insane and a lot of them will say things like, you know, hey, I fish tournaments and I place and I do well. Um, I'm a heck of a good angler. And it's like, cool. Well, what other accolades do you have in terms of how you promote for brands? And, you know, you know, and if and if their response is, nope, I just do tournaments. I, that's my thing. It's, you know, at, some of that's good. But what these companies want to know, and I think I speak on behalf of more than just the brands I've mentioned they want to know how can you help them yep how can you promote what what are you doing what avenues are you reaching what do you do on social media are you writing articles uh are you are you doing radio stuff you know do you guide do you teach people do you you know expose people to the brands that you represent or are you just out there fishing so there needs to be a fine balance between all of that and i think this younger group needs to understand that as much as ever is because with the advent with the movements of social media Nowadays, everyone has a social media page. We can't even use that to our advantage. Right. Hey, I'm on social media. Cool. There's 35,000 other people in Minnesota that are on social media and fish. So how are you using social media? How are you being different? What's your niche? So those are all things you want to look at and focus on. But to me, the big thing is, is the promotional side. How are you promoting? And I've seen some anglers just absolutely crush it on how much they've become advanced in that. And and just uh, the growth and from when they first started, when I first meet them to where it's, you couldn't imagine them doing the promotional side of things to where, you know what, they jump in and they get after it. And after two years, it's like, this is a really good promotional figure for our industry. So those things are important to me. 
you know, how do you promote, uh, are, are you influencing your, your circle? Are your circle of friends influenced by what you say and what you do? Uh, do they listen to what you say? Uh, do you have that, that kind of captive audience that will take to heart, uh, how you're catching fish and what you're using and what you're doing. And, and those sorts of things are also important. Do you have good character? Do you have good values? Do you have good, you know, are, are you ethically sound? I mean, things like that are so important because you could be a great angler and even a decent promoter, but if you're a prick, sorry, companies don't want to work with you. No, nope, I they don't agree. want to, they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to deal with egos. They don't want to deal with guys or gals that think they're better than somebody else or talk down on people. And, you know, social media is become a platform for people to bash each other. Yeah. Um, that is a massive turnoff for me. If I see somebody doing that, the likelihood of you being on one of my pro staffs is just not going to happen. And, and we crack down on that more and more every year because it's getting more aggressive. So, you know, do just be respectful, you know, carry yourself. Well, those are all things that we're taught at a young age, but people forget at times. And it's important if you're going to represent a company. That's super important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, it's not only just representing the the company like that, but also your personal brand. What are you looking to do with your career? Are you looking to tournament fish or get in the guide? If you, like you said, if you're, if everyone knows you're a prick at the boat launch, most likely, you know, you're going to be a prick outside of that on, you know, social media sometimes and companies aren't looking for that. Right. But I do like, I do like the transition as to how we grew up. I grew up always looking at the pros I mean, obviously they're great anglers, but you know, but, you know, back then and they were the only ones that would be on promotional staff or pro staff if you were fishing the big tournaments or you know, um, you know, you were a well-known guide or something like that. I do think that's correct, and and I agree with you that it's cool to see you know the everyday angler sometime who's really good at promotion on on social media and things like that jump on these promotional groups because they bring something to the table that maybe the pros couldn't or the guides couldn't. It's cool to see the mix everywhere, and I know um, you know sometimes with the companies that, that that'll get a little gray and, and blurry, but I overall I think it's good for um, the entire sport and uh, the companies involved. Right. And I think the, the average angler um, relates to that person more. Absolutely. I really yep. do. I mean, I mean, they, they're going to understand, they're going to say, wow, he's doing that. I mean, he didn't win the Bassmaster Classic or he's not, he didn't win a hundred thousand. He's not a professional wife. You know, I could do that. So I think it's really driven our industry to aspire people. I mean, younger kids are getting more involved in fishing, definitely than when I was a kid. Oh, absolutely! I mean, yeah. you're seeing kids nowadays. It's a, it's a, it's cool now to fish. When I was in grade school and high school, it, it was almost like it wasn't cool if you loved to fish. They right away they were they would give you that negative stigma of, oh, "Are you with the Boy Scouts?" It's like, yeah. well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like because I fish. Like, yeah. yeah nowadays, kids are hip. They're cool, man. You know, I got young kids like Cal Hadia take, for example, over there in, in Wisconsin. The dude's just about to, you know, get out of high school and he just puts the hammer down and so many kids want to be like him. And it's cool to fish. I mean, the, the, the Guggen squad guys, you know, Alex Perricks of the world. Yep. Those kind of guys, like, you know, they are, they, they got it going on. I mean, it's just great promoters. The kids emulate them. You know, that's cool. I mean, we need good role models at young ages like that. Um, and not just the older guys that wear the tournament jersey and cash checks. We need that too. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's so awesome to see this younger generation of middle school, high school age kids and even college kids really kind of leading our industry now. 
Yeah. You know, they really are in many ways. And it's, it's fun to see that. And I'll tell you what, from my perspective, I got nothing but love for those guys and I'm proud of them. And whether I don't, it doesn't matter what brand they wear. They, I support those guys because they're doing such great things for everything we're all trying to accomplish for the sport. It's kudos hats off to all of them. Yeah, I I could not agree more. It's, it's cool because, you know, sometimes maybe some guy that, you know, or some angler locally, uh, you know, represents a company, maybe that pro in the past, you didn't feel like you could, you know, approach him or her, but now, you know, someone that who you may have grew up with or know, you know, it's just more relatable. The reach is out there and, uh, you know, you can, um, you know, you can relate to them a lot more if that makes sense. Right. Absolutely. Well, cool, man. Um, all right. So there's another thing I want to get into. I think your uh, your boat's badass, the Kingfisher. <laughs> Thanks. And I think that it's something that I don't see a lot of them around here in the Great Lakes area. I know there are some, but I feel sure. like this brand is is pretty cool because it is all it's, it's it's a welded hull, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Full, and full welded hull. Yeah. Exactly. So can you talk a little bit about Kingfisher and just I mean the boats that they offer. Uh, can go on really any body of water, whether it be the big great lakes, you know, you've got your over 20 footers on there. Um, they look like they're, they are set up to take on some mean waters. Oh yeah. I mean, they, they are in a class of their own. I mean, I'm an, I'm an aluminum boat guy. I have been since I started fishing and I, I glass boats are awesome. Not taking anything away from glass boats. They are superb. Don't get me wrong. But I beach my boat. I ding stuff. I put it in shallower water. Uh, I'm a, I mean, I have no problem putting the nose of my boat up on rocks and putting the talons down. So how I fish, I just see myself getting frustrated with the glass boat because I don't want to do any damage. Okay. So that's my style of fishing. I also think aluminum boats have come a long ways in recent years with how they fish in the water. I mean, take a, for example, the Kingfisher I run is a 2025 flex. It's a 20 foot boat. It it cuts through the water a lot like a glass boat. I mean, I can fish rough water, um, rough conditions. I get a lot of clients that when we come off plane to f- our first spot that have not fished with me, lean over and knock on the side of the boat because they're confused what it's made out of. <laughs> because they're like, I thought I thought you had an aluminum boat. I'm like, it is. They're like, wow, you know. So it's a thicker gauge aluminum. It fishes heavier in the water. It cuts through the waves. It's got a reverse chine to keep the water down. You know, it's manufactured on a giant steel jig, and, and that's their preflex technology, which is simply amazing. Um, it's it's all introduced before the welding process, so that most aluminum bolts will flex. Uh, these do not. It takes the exact shape of the water as it moves. I mean, they really dot their I's and cross their T's. It's a really cool process. There's not much to no little to no vibration. I mean, it's not like any aluminum boat you've ever been in. And so first chance I got to ride one about four years ago, it didn't take me long to go, wow, this is, this is incredible. This is a whole different level of, of aluminum boat. So you're right. It handles well, rough water, calm water. When I'm on the bow with my foot on the trolling motor, I'm not getting beat up. I'm not swinging around like everyone complains about in aluminum boats. Oh man, good luck in the wind. No problem. So and now, but it's not as heavy as a glass boat. Fuel economy on my truck is great. I can get this boat going into the 60s for miles miles per hour, so it has plenty wow. of top end speed. Uh, it's it's great. It's a it's a great product. So, man, you're right. I mean, they actually use that tagline, uh, you know, one badass boat. 
<laughs> uh, you'll see it on banners, like in their booths at sports shows. And and it's not meant to be egotistical. It's just, it's it's not your typical aluminum boat. I'll get asked all the time, well, how does it compare to a London, a Crestline, a Lumacraft? And with all due respect to those brands, they all make great boats. I've been in all of them. It doesn't really compare. It's it's really in a different category. It's really, it's, it's kind of a blazed its own trail in those high grade thick aluminum branded all welded boats so it's a cool product man it's it's something if you ever get a chance to hop in one you should just to see what kind of ride it is because it is pretty cool to hop in one and go wow this isn't like an aluminum boat i've ever been in so everything's built tough nothing breaks i mean their windshields are half inch sheet of glass wow uh there's no plastic parts on them uh you look at the gunnel it's all it's all diamond plated metal um it's just a wicked mean boat that uh i don't know how you'd break one i've been running them for four years and i don't tighten screws i don't have to worry about general maintenance like i have in other boats and i love it it's a cool product it, it's, I, it's a war machine man it, it is and it looks i mean in your photos it look mean it looks mean looks like it's got high sides it's got a great like you said the bow it looks like it'll you know cut through that water like everyone's looking to do it just it just opened my eye to really research the company a little bit more and things like that i just because i'm i'm in the market for i gotta upgrade that's for sure sure and I keep going back and you can read forums until you're blue in the face about aluminum versus glass, uh, weld versus rivets. And it's like, I mean, a lot of people are always going to stick by their boats and all that kind of stuff because that's, sure. you know, they've got their own biases. But, you know, it's just another option out there for folks to look at. And that's why I wanted to touch on it because, you know, myself right now, I've, I go through forums all the time looking for great deals. And. I'm at that point where do I do I go glass or do I go aluminum? But like you said, there's a lot of things to to keep in mind. You know, are you fishing by yourself? Well, it's going to be easier to launch the boat, you know, get an aluminum in and out of the water. Uh, you know, how far are you traveling between um, fishing destinations, you know, gas mileage, things like that. And, yep. uh, you know, going into the shallows, there's a lot of, of things that folks got to keep in mind about how they're going to fish. And it just looks like this one's a great, you know, overall uh you know, solution to that. Absolutely. And, I, and I've never had a glass boat. So, you know, I'm not going to act like I know everything about glass boats, but I, I have several good friends that have purchased Kingfishers that were running big glass boats for 15 years of their life. And they've gone to this and they go, this is awesome. Like, right. you know, it, it's a big, I think it's a bigger switch for an angler to go from glass to aluminum. Than aluminum to glass, because right. I think a lot of anglers, once they go to a big glass, deep boat, they generally don't turn their back anymore. So to have some of my close friends I know that have made that transition back to a, a aluminum boat, be it a Kingfisher, and say, wow, I'm happy I made this move, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, that's pretty cool to hear. So that's that's testament that, you know, isn't bought, isn't paid for. That's just guys going, you know what? I'm going to jump back in an aluminum boat because I go up to Vermilion. I go to Lake of the Woods. I, I, I'm bumping rocks and they switch to a boat like a Kingfisher and go, wow, the, I don't need my glass boat anymore. Like that is powerful. So it's fun. It's, it's, it's cool, but I'm not a, a major boat snob. I don't care what brand somebody else has. I mean, I'm not that guy. Yep. I think there's a lot of phenomenal boats out there. I got dear, I got friends that are pro staff for probably every boat brand known to man and they're all happy. It's just for how I fish and what I need of a boat and the demands I request. 
uh, this Kingfisher just absolutely crushes it on all levels. And I'm, I'm very proud. I, I was exposed to this brand and I'm, I'm running one. So it's fun. Yeah. And now, now I want to go in it today, man. Now you're like making me <laughs> like, I want to, now I want to, I miss, I like, I miss it now. Almost. I know. Like, I want to see one like in person <laughs> other than all these photos. I'm like, man, I just, if I can just sit in it, I'd, I'd get a better idea of what I'm looking at, but yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. Anyone who wants to see his boat, just go to Matt Johnson outdoors on Facebook and uh, you can see it's his, uh, his background on there. It's pretty cool. So yeah, I post, I post a lot of pictures of it. I'm, it's pretty fun. Cool. Hey, so, you know, I, on this podcast, I always find myself talking about walleye and, and things like that, but we're, we're getting into other species, um, making it very well-rounded. And the reason why, another reason why I wanted to talk to you today was I'd like to educate folks a little bit more on the springtime crappie bite that's kind of going on right now. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's great time here to fish crappies and, uh, crappies will get overshadowed uh, this weekend because of game fish season, right? Everyone kind of switches gears. Crappies King the last two weeks, even the most hardcore walleye and bass guy or gal in our area fishes crappies in April in the first part of May, because that's what they can target. And, and, but I'm telling you, telling you, go ahead. No, absolutely. Keep going. I was gonna say, but, but I, what I'll tell you is that one of the best times to fish crappies, in my opinion, is right at fishing opener because one, they're spawning and they're super aggressive and they've made their shallow movements and they bite everything you throw at them. So it's, it's constant action, especially for the family and the kids. And two, all focus on crappies is gone. All right. So all of these crappie uh, weed flats and inside bays and turns and, and channels are no longer going to see much pressure. Everyone's going to be out main lake, you know, Lindy rigging for walleyes or slip bobbering or trying to catch pike that they kind of leave them alone. So I've had many, many fishing openers where, you know, maybe we try catching walleyes when the sun comes up, you know, it, you know, that's, Prime it's time. our holiday, like I said, Yep. but then I go fishing crappies with the kids or with clients or with friends and we catch 150 crappies in a day of fishing. And my buddies that decided to fish walleyes all day only caught two more fish the entire day, you know, <laughs> but, but here's something a lot of anglers don't know. And, and I may be tipping my hat, Depending on the season, and I think this year is one of those years, a lot of your post-spawn fish, walleyes, are right where the crappies are right now. Why is that? So it's just if they spawn late or if water temperatures linger and don't heat up like they should, like our water temps dropped again into the upper 40s. It's crazy. We got a lot of cold rain, some wind. We even got that snow that the fish continue to be lethargic, especially if they just recently spawn, they move up shallow to that warm water when the sun comes out. So if we get an opener where the sun pops out, like it might tomorrow and the water's still cold, you're going to get a lot of walleyes to stay shallow, especially on lakes that are kind of dirty or dingy. Or if you're on like Lake Minnetonka and there's one side of the lake that's dirty and one side that's clean uh, in terms of water clarity, mm -hmm. you catch daytime walleyes up shallow. They'll wow. stay there. And I've had many years where I'm fishing crappies on fishing opener up in four to seven feet of water. And we catch more walleyes than the guys and gals out there chasing walleyes all day. What are, what are, so the, it's something to, to take into account. Yeah. And what are the crappie and the walleye relating to in those shallows? Cause there's not a lot of weeds growing up that time of year. Yep. Obviously the water's still cold. What are those fish doing? And where can you, you know, why are they relating to those, those shallower bays? Food and water temperature. Gotcha. That's what moves them up there. I mean, a lot of times uh, they'll move up there and they'll sit and they'll just kind of roam the shallows. 
Uh, water temperature is warmer, especially on certain sides of the lake, depending on the, the bottom content and also water water clarity. Uh, minnows start to really, really hammer home in these shallow waters, especially the smaller pin minnows. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, a lot of these fish, their metabol- metabolism still aren't in skyrocket mode yet you got colder water still not until water's temps start hitting upper 50s into the 60s and they really start to build their metabolism up right so what i find a lot of times this time of year uh where you get a lot of those fish to move shallow the water temp gets warmer there quicker especially the surface few feet the minnows come in the crappies are there the bluegills are there the perch are there uh you can see sucker i mean if you launch your boat on a warm sunny sunny day right now there's sucker minnows up shallow. Right. Uh, the walleyes are going to move in. The pike are going to move in. The bass are going to move in. Yep. And, and it's not uncommon to get a lot of walleyes. We've had 20, 30 fish days for walleyes on fishing opener in the metro, never truly targeting walleye. Wow. Light action rods, five-pound line, uh, small minnow or two baits fishing crappies, and the walleyes come unglued. And the COs, know, conservation officers know about it because they're all up to me and I got to know a lot of them in the area. And they're like, how you doing over here? I'm like, we're doing just fine. They're like, you're just crushing walleyes, aren't you? I said, yep. They're like, perfect. I'm like, how's everyone else doing? They're like, horrible. As you guys, look, as you guys look out into the deep water and everyone's trolling yeah. out there. <laughs> everyone's out there fishing walleyes off the main breaks and on rock structure and yeah. jigging minnows and leeches. And, and here we are fishing p- panfish stuff, you know, big panfish baits catching walleyes up against the bank. So, and that's, that's, that's the adaptability I talked about earlier is, is if you're out there trying to catch walleyes and you're struggling, beating your head over it, if you fish prime time and you're struggling, don't continue to beat your head up all day. Right. Switch gears, throw a couple panfish rods in the boat, go shallow, put a bend in the rod, you know, get your second wind. Uh, you may be surprised what you find. So, and you were getting into kind of like what you were using. So you you said the light tackle, obviously the light rods, uh, fast action yep. rods, um, five pound test. How yep. are, what, what are you throwing at these, these crappie to kind of get, I mean, obviously you said they're, they're hitting most things, but like, what are your, what are your go-tos? Uh, you know, I have a, a handful that I kind of really put my faith in. I mean, I use, I use a twister tail, Mr. Twister tail a lot a curly tail grub okay everyone's got those and uh, i catch a lot of fish in that it's got vibration it's got impulse and triggering power i usually use a two inch bait um you know and i like contrast so their try alive tail for mr twister is awesome it's got three different colors in one bait and then you can add your favorite color jig head that covers the, the spectrum for vibration and i mean what doesn't bite a twister tail i mean right. everything bites that a walleye a bass a Pike are going to chew you off, uh, bluegills, crappies. That works great. I also like a minnow bait. Depending on where I'm fishing and if I need to retrieve it more, I, I will fish everything from like a, a two-and-a-half-inch sashi shad, which is like a, a small, basically crappie-sized swim bait. Okay. And I'll fish that along the shallows and uh, get some of those aggressive fish to go. And if they're a little more negative and I got to force feed them with like a bobber, which isn't uncommon. You got may have to still fish uh, slow for these fish this time of year. I'll fish something smaller, like like that uh, micro shad, which is just a little over an inch long. It looks just like a pin minnow from Mr. Twister, and I'll fish that under a float. Okay. Or I'll fish my ice fishing plastics. I'll bring along my Mackie plastics, and I'll fish those with the tungsten dropkick jig under a float still. That's what I was going to ask. You just, yeah. I, I, I've always had success just, you know, throwing out those little small microplastics like you were talking yep. about. And they just, you know, they think it's that bug or that microbe in the water and they're just th- throwing that feed bag on. 
Well, I mean, I just gave a seminar a week ago to a fishing club out here and, and they're doing a crappie event last week. And I said, guys, gals, don't, don't leave your ice fishing stuff in the garage. I said, you just got done ice fishing a couple weeks ago. And what did you use? Two pound test line, a spring bubble rod, a tiny jig, a tiny plastic, and you still kind of coax these fish to bite. Yep. Why, when the ice melts, would you grab a two-inch tube, five-pound line, big bobber, <laughs> big jig? I've never understood that concept. You should be still fishing ice stuff. Right. Big fish will still eat it because what happens is as the water temp warms, you get those hatches. Whenever that water gets warm this time of year, even in the shallows, you get all kinds of little insect hatches and stuff. And these fish are feeding on that kind of stuff. So you still want to think small. Big baits are great because you can cover water. You feel effective. You can cast them. I get it. But generally speaking, you're going to catch that aggressive fish or two. And then if the, and then oftentimes you may have to slow down and fish them with the bobber or something to that effect. So I bring the gamut this time of year. I focus on water temperature. Uh, I focus on what the weather's doing. Um, those are all important things for me when I'm targeting springtime crappies. Uh, and then, uh, like I said, ace in the hole when everyone else is out fishing walleyes on Saturday, uh, try fishing crappies. If you're struggling to catch game fish, I think you'll be surprised and you'll catch them because they're going to be spawning on main lake structure. Uh, they're going to be aggressive. They're going to want to bite what you put in front of them. And I think you can salvage a day of fishing yeah. and it can be chasing crappies and bluegills, you know, suck up our pride, go out there and catch fish, put a bend in the rod, especially if the kids are with, don't let them stare at a line all day and not catch nothing. Take them out pan fishing. And, and I think you'll be surprised what you catch. And they taste great. Oh, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't um, agree more. You know, one thing about the water temperature and you were talking about ice fishing rods, I know we're targeting the warmer water, but folks, you got to remember it's still, even though it's warmer than the main lake, it's, it, it's still pretty cold water. So they're not going to be as aggressive, uh, going after the bigger baits like they would be in, in summertime when, the, like you said, their metabolism's higher. It's still that cold water. They're not lethargic, but it's just, you know, it's just almost like, uh, I'm going to start with the appetizer, the smaller stuff first, like I've been eating yep. all winter and then move on to that bigger stuff. Once it gets really warm and, you know, vegetation comes up, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I would agree. I think you're, you're spot on and, and there's some good options out there and everyone's probably got what we're talking about in their tackle box. They just put it away in the, in the summer and forget about it. And I would encourage you not to do that. Keep them in the boat, even all year round. You can fish ice jigs and ice plastics all year round for panfish. And they so. fight crappie fight really, really good, especially oh, on, absolutely. Light, on light tackle. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking to, I don't, know too many people who don't like just catching fish in general even if they are going out for walleye but you hook into you know a, a big panfish like a like a crappie 13 inch 14 inch crappie you better hold on because it's it's a blast to wheel those things in yep and bring a little net yep. they get off they get off when they hit the surface of the water and you try to lift them more than they don't right so it's no, no, nothing wrong with netting a crappie well matt dude i thank you for spending this time with us i've learned a ton and i think you've brought a ton of great knowledge to everybody uh not only the, just about the industry guiding crappie walleye um where can folks find you and uh learn more about you sure you bet yeah you can go to uh i mean i'm on facebook all the time like you mentioned matt johnson outdoors that'll get you to my facebook page um i can't miss me uh, i'd love to love to chat with you send me comments uh send me messages I have an Instagram page, uh, MJ Fishing Outdoors is the Instagram page. I post pictures on there and engage with some of my fans and, and buddies. And then mattjohnsonoutdoors.com is my website uh, where you can see some more stuff. I got a lot of articles on there and tips and videos and 
that sort of stuff. So pretty aggressive doing that stuff. Otherwise, uh, you'll probably see me at a sports show. If you're on the Minneapolis, Minnesota area, I go to all the major sports shows and, and work for either clam or blackfish. Um, and then we do all the ice fishing shows too. So if you see me, um, say hi, I love chatting, fishing. Uh, even if you see me at a restaurant, say hi, <laughs> you can ask my wife. Uh, I talk to a lot of people on a regular basis, so don't be, don't be scared to, to talk fishing. Uh, say hi. And uh, I look forward to seeing some of you and appreciate all the support. Well, Hey, enjoy your fish opener with your boys. I know you guys are going to be away from the crowd, so just kick back, relax, and I hope you guys get into some fish. Awesome. Thank you so much, bud. All right, man. See ya. Yep. I mean, come on. What's not, what's not to like about that dude? I want to thank Matt for coming on the podcast. That guy dropped a ton of great, valuable information, not only about the fishing industry, the Minnesota opener, um, but you know what? He was just a good guy to talk to, and I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, I think that was some key intel to take back with you when you're chasing crappies that, uh, you know, a lot of the time those walleye hang out in the shallows too. So stay off that deeper basin as everyone's chasing out there in that, you know, that deeper water this time of year. Hang out in the shallows, catch some some uh, crappie and some uh, bonus bonus walleye hanging around there too so uh check out matt at matt johnson outdoors check him out on matt johnson outdoors on facebook and uh yeah i just want to thank him for coming on again you guys we're going to keep this rocking with more episodes coming up here in the future we're going to get into some more diversity of fish and different types of fisheries as always please do me a solid and leave me a review on itunes hit a five star if you choose to do so or you see fit and to remember to follow me on instagram at freshwater bite and as always guys and gals thanks for the listen